0: I am Mike Scala, Nuance, back for Tuesday live on Facebook and wherever you may be catching this later on. How's everybody doing this week? Joined, of course, once again, by Jay Carter, also known as Timid, the hip hop artist and the chair of BLM Tokyo. What's going on, Jay?
1: Uh, not much, man. Just uh, suffering my wounds and, uh, you know, trying to, to get better here. There's always something, Jay. It was the laptop. There's always something i don't know what's going on My for some reason my finger is just swollen and, and i don't know what happened or i think i might have had a cut or something and maybe something got in it into it and so got like an infection or something but i don't know where it would have come from i don't know
0: so how about yourself what's going on with you uh went to a nice fundraiser this past week uh comedy fundraiser for local Fire Department in Hamilton Beach, volunteer fire department. So that was good. Good cause. Good night. What's what's
1: up. Let's get into that. But let's introduce our guest, Daniel.
0: Yes, Daniel Hill from Queens Community Board 9, as well as Cop CP, Sea Line Ozone Park Civilian Patrol. What's going on, Daniel?
2: Thank you for having me. This is my first live interview. So excuse me if I'm a little nervous. No. Nah, you here?
0: Good. You're in good hands.
1: Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Everything will be all good. Everything's going to be all right. See, that's in my head right now because, like I mentioned, one of the biggest news out that neither of you are up on apparently is the Black Panther trailer for Wakanda Forever just dropped like two days ago because there's the Comic-Con going on and all the new trailers from the movie companies are, are coming out. You know, The Rock's got this new movie that's coming out where he's playing Black Adam. There's the new She-Hulk movie, uh, not movie, but series for Disney Plus. Then, of course, the Black Panther trailer and a bunch of other stuff. But the biggest news has been Black Panther. And they used that song in the trailer and it looks amazing. And that excitement is lost on both of you. So that breaks my heart. You both have homework.
2: I'm going to have to check it out.
1: <laughs> You're going to have to check it out. You have to check it out. So um,
0: but how was your fundraiser, Mike? No, it was good. It was good. Like I said, it was a good cause. Good night. It was in Howard Beach. And shout out to Brina. Shout out to Nick Spinelli from the fire department. Um, nice. She had some, some comedians up there, you know, some, some funny jokes. And again, it was, it was a fun night out, but it was for a good cause. And it, it's good to see the neighborhood coming together to support the local fire department because it's a volunteer fire department. So they depend on people helping them out that way. And this is a good way to do it.
1: That's what's up. So... You said there were comedians and stuff out there. I know you mentioned it before. So I asked if you had had done a set or if you were thinking about doing a set.
0: Right. I have not done any stand-up comedy, no. But I actually have been coming up with some jokes here and there. and kind of jotting them down on my phone. So it's kind of like one of those things in my head where maybe one day I'll hit an open mic and give it a try.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't think it would be, I mean, some people might think it's kind of strange, but, you know, you have that performer background. You know, we, we both did music um we've both done a- extra work and-, and things so you know that idea does come up every
0: now and then. like Oh, maybe let me give it a shot you know right well especially in hip-hop writing punchlines for raps there's a lot of crossover there you come up with something funny you want to put it in a song or maybe you might want to do it as a joke maybe it could be the same concept one in the rap right. one in the joke so like you said it's a lot of overlap and to me it'll be a fun thing to try
1: yeah yeah i know you know there's actually a couple of um rappers from the scene that, that we both know who have you know stepped up on the open mic stage and, and done a couple of sets and, and try to do it. Um, yeah, Sam I think did it, Jim did it. Yeah, Sose so right? so did did it. Um, he actually used to run a comedy, weekly comedy night in the, in the city because um, I sent a couple of comedians his way that we're looking for places to and That's
0: to interesting the- because we were actually talking offline about the idea of some kind of festival to, we could bring to the area, just kind of brainstorming, but that could be something to think about. It doesn't have to be just music. It could be music, comedy, other types of performances, other types, you know, acting, whatever it is, just people using the stage or a venue that we provide as a creative outlet. I think that could be fascinating and bring business yeah, to the
1: I- Sounds good to me. How about you, Dana? You uh, you up for an open mic uh, comedy night?
2: Definitely agree. And it'll definitely bring people into the neighborhood and benefit the businesses and everybody. That's
0: what we would yeah. think. Like, you know, they have South by Southwest and some of these places where it's not just one venue, but it could be the whole neighborhood or several neighborhoods doing it. And you could have over a week, let's say, or four nights, you know, different venues, right. different events going on all at once. So it becomes like a destination event to spur the local economy.
1: That's right. Yeah, and we can get Daniel
0: up there to do uh to do a set. <laughs> yeah, we did. What would you do, Daniel, if you had to do some kind of creative performance?
2: I think stand-up comedy. I'm not too good at it, though. <laughs> write it down. I think
0: I think everybody probably would suck
1: the first time out. <laughs> like you kind of have to, you kind of have to like just know that you're gonna go on stage and just bomb. But you know, I think it's it's one of those things you probably should try once. I've thought about
0: trying at least once. Yeah, or just doesn't have to be comedy, but anything performance wise, public speaking in general, right? I mean, there's a club, I forget the name of it now, maybe you know it where you go and they give you like improv scenarios and then you basically just lay out these improv scenarios every week. But what it does is it just helps you improve your public speaking skills. That's something I
2: need.
1: Yeah, I would like to do I, I I thought about doing that, an improv class, or you know, I've I've taken a couple, I've taken some acting classes before. Um, actually in New York, I went and did a couple, I did some auditions and stuff as well. Um, and I think it would be fun. The improv class, I think,
0: would be kind of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I do some acting also with my dad for those who don't know. My dad was an actor. He was in Martin Sports' first movie, so he was in film. And so when I was younger, I used to do some stuff with him, some plays and things like that. And I always liked it.
1: I think it's good. Everyone should have a some sort of a creative outlet, um, something that's to do with the arts. You know, it's, it's another part of ourselves that needs to be explored. We have that creativity, imagination, and and all that. And so it's it's you know, I think it's an important part of uh, you know, a, a well-rounded individual. So
0: absolutely. And on that topic, we should be supporting art in the schools and we're seeing uh, cuts now our good friend paul trust has been very public about this he was on our show to talk about the queen's link a while ago but he also is a teacher and his job was affected by cuts. he's very publicly going after the mayor in fact he won a tro against the budget um, recently this is all over the news and he's he's you know, really out in front on this issue so i commend him for what he's doing but a big part of this is funding for arts, artistic endeavors in schools is being cut, and that really should not be cut. It's a very important part of, like you said, what makes someone a, well, a well-rounded person.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's not only that, it's also, it's a, I mean, just a society. Like if it's gonna make a person a well-rounded person, it would also benefit a society to have that sort of uh, importance placed on, on the arts as well. Like, that's you know, you know, what we need. Cutting those things makes no sense whatsoever.
2: Especially since we're in New York City, where most of the kids won't have access to arts programs outside of the public schools, these free programs are needed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, what kind of in in you're still in school, right, Daniel? Yes. What kind of arts um, access and things is going on in the in your school?
2: We have two music classes, a theater class, and language classes.
1: Okay. So yeah, I mean. We, we need those things we got to have those things. And, and some people, I think a lot of times people want to cut those who are thinking oh well we can't. We, we can't qualify or quantify these these types of classes into monetary value but that's you, know, you can't just look at it that way, it, it has to be.
0: Right. Well, they look at it like if we're trying to save money yeah. right now, we're trying to cut money, what do we right. cut first? Well, they don't want to cut math and science. They consider that to be too fundamental to their curriculum. So they think this other stuff is just kind of extracurricular. We can get rid of that. Right. But
1: you know, you need you need that that humanities yeah. types of education, or else you get people who, you know, lack empathy, people who lack creativity,
0: people who, you know, and, and that becomes a problem as well. Right, and you need that creative approach to whatever problem you're trying to solve, whatever area you go into, you need someone who can think creatively, right, find a different solution, a new way to do something. Absolutely. It's like, you know, exercising that part of your brain.
2: And as you said, empathy, a lot of times in the, cr- the crime that we're seeing on the street, people are just shooting each other in broad daylight, there's no empathy there. So as All much right. as we could get in schools and everything, I think would definitely improve.
0: And that should be an interesting study. I would like to see that maybe it's out there already, but if you can look at the link, if there is one between access to art education and, and you know, cultural and musical education, and these types of crimes, I mean, do people who commit these crazy crimes have a background in the arts or in culture? I would guess maybe not as much.
1: That would be something to look at um, to see you know, if that type of you know, plays a factor, or if there is any kind of link. Um, but yeah,
0: so. So let's talk about that. Daniel, you mentioned crime in the community. Obviously, it's been a big issue throughout the city You're one's top issue. You are involved in cop cp, you do patrols out there in city line Ozone Park. Uh, do you think that that makes a difference in terms of deterring crime or just, just make people feel better? Or you, what kind of role do you think that plays?
2: Yes, I do believe it makes a difference in deterring crime. Just last week, our volunteers observed somebody who was handle surfing, walking down 77th Street, feeling all the handles on the cars, holding a black handbag. We were able to call the police and have the subject apprehended. They in fact did steal from a vehicle. So as a patrol, we are playing a role in being a deterrent, but we're not doing it alone. I think there is crime all over New York City i've been out there the crime is not as bad in howard beach in ozone park in city line as it is the rest of the city as it is out there
1: Mm. right just to clarify for for some who are not familiar what is handle surfing
2: handle surfing is they were feeling the car door handles walking up the block and going one two three four trying to to see if there's a car
1: To see if a car was open or not.
2: They were able to find an unlocked car and steal a handbag. Right.
0: Now, do you think that that's a deterrent uh, in terms of what people then would be less likely to do it if they saw the civilian patrol car around, or just because they know it's out there? Or do you think that maybe it's happening more in neighborhoods where they know that there is not a civilian patrol?
2: Yes, definitely. I think the civilian patrols play play a role in reducing the crime because of the fact that the vehicles look very similar to the police RMPs. They see That's the vehicle, really they're not reading it, they just see it coming down the block. And oftentimes, I've seen it firsthand, people will stop what they're doing, try to get away.
0: Right, I actually once drove that car to pick up food. Uh, was, they said you just take take that car. And I drove it and there were people who didn't know what it was, who just instinctively pulled over when I was, I was driving up to it. they built a cop car behind them. So that is people's first reaction. Oh, here comes the cops.
2: Yes, I think
1: if people, even if they know that it's not the police, they do know there's someone inside there that is going to report to the police. So that can make a, a, you know, make someone stop what they're doing if they're trying to do something illegal.
2: Definitely. Right. And even well, often thinking, our volunteers are able to observe different things unreported. And it's not just when we're with the vehicle or when we're patrolling; it's all the time we're remaining observant and everybody yeah. has to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I say also that the neighborhood appreciates that. And I experienced this even in Hunter Beach with HB Top when I took a tour with them and they would just drive up and down the streets, people would wave and just smile and say, thank you. They'd be, just be so happy that their presence was there because it made them feel more safe.
2: Yes, definitely.
1: i was just real quickly just want to say hello to a few of the people I see in the chat, uh, James, Jose and Andre. Thank you guys for for joining us. I wanted to ask Daniel, what what prompted you to get involved with these uh, civilian patrols? As we mentioned, you're still in school, so what prompted you to want to get out there and get involved?
2: So it started when I needed community service hours for high school. 20, so, <laughs> 2020, I found the Ozone Park Pantry. They had just started. The, the Civilian Patrol started it. From there, I started coming and volunteering every week, and they got me more and more involved. I'm good with the computer. I'm good with flyers. So they started me on that. And then I just took an interest. It's always something I wanted to do. From being a little kid, I wanted to be a cop. It's not something I want to do now, given today's climate. But it's definitely where my interest was, even before I found it.
1: I think there's two, two things that it's really interesting. Like one, you said you did it because uh, you needed community service hours for school. Yeah. So that's a, that's a requirement that, that students have community service hours?
2: Yes, we need to do 100 hours by the end of high school.
1: Wow, that's actually that's pretty interesting. They didn't have that in my school, but that's, that's pretty interesting. I, I can see the benefit of that. I can see people resisting, but I could also see the benefit of that. So that's, that's really cool.
2: Definitely. Oh, and now you've said you're sorry. It gives work experience.
1: Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So you're doing your hundred hours in in the civilian patrol?
2: Yes. I'm well past that now, though.
1: Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's up. And you mentioned that you wanted to be a cop, but now you don't because of the climate, even though you are part of the civilian patrol. Um yeah. what, what changed? What might have changed?
2: The whole defund the police movement, anti-police movement, and just the or the whole organization of the police. That I think there needs to be reform in there. Yeah. And just the being a police officer is not gonna be an easy task. Right now in New York City, we're seeing hundreds leaving because. the rules i see it firsthand a video last week of a cop trying to tackle a guy in the station and the cop ends up getting all hurt and they can't even get the guy on the ground Mm. it just doesn't seem like it's a safe job anymore
1: yeah it's definitely not a safe job it's definitely an important job and i agree with you there's there's reform needed there's rules that need to be changed there's there's you know uh skepticism and things from the public but then there's also extra responsibilities that are on the cop's shoulders that shouldn't be there um and so yeah this definitely needs to be some
0: sort of a, a system reform and change going on andre chat says hey mike it's andre i too am a violence interrupter and i'm loving it
1: is he also part of uh the the civilian patrol
0: Andre Graham he's not with Cop CP, is he?
2: I don't think so.
1: Oh okay. So it's probably a different organization. But I think it's good that there's some community organizations um you know and I think one thing you said that that's really important is for everyone to stay to stay vigilant to some degree. Um you know a lot of times crime happens to people who are not uh, aware um, or seem like easy targets so to speak. So
0: Right. And as we always say, it's not that they're trying to take the place of the police. It's just to be eyes and ears for the people. These aren't want to be cops. These aren't people who are trying to act as cops. They're just calling the cops as need be, but really more just there to be helpful neighbors. And oftentimes it's stuff like helping them with their groceries or walking them to the house or just you know, lighting up the block a little bit if they're outside, whatever it is, just to make people feel more at ease and like they have neighbors looking out for each other
2: yes and also as well as translating and holding the police accountable in certain aspects like if a crime is committed and they only speak bengali before we formed we were experiencing that half the time the cops would leave they would not take a report if they didn't speak the language now we're holding them accountable we're staying there we're doing the translation for them and making sure that the police reports are filed
0: that's awesome yeah and that does need to go both ways you need to have the people not being afraid to call the police, but then the police being able to respond appropriately to build that trust, right? That's a two-way street. People will feel that they can call more if they're getting the appropriate response. And the police have to know, like you said, that they'll be held accountable if they're not doing their job. I mean, people are afraid that they'll be reported for their immigration status. And that's something the police are not allowed to get involved with, but that takes education. The police have to know that and the people have to know that. And there has to be that trust there.
2: Yes, definitely.
0: Absolutely.
1: It sounds like uh, you all are doing some um, some pretty good work there. And you're also part of the community board, right? Yes. What do you do with the with the community board?
2: Well, um, it's mostly a voting position on different things that happen in the neighborhood. I'm aware of different events. And we, there's different committees to it. So right now, I'm on the economic development. So we approve, I'm not too sure, we approve some kind of permits. Like zoning? I'm still, I'm still learning the ro- ro- role of it, but some zoning permits we do. Right. So mostly community getting involved, being on the ground and advocating for the community. Um. I know the main thing that the Public Safety Committee handles and in all of the meetings is the liquor licenses in the community.
0: Which is funny. I mean, obviously you need to be 21 to drink, but you have people under 21, even under 18 now on the community boards. Um, It's kind of funny to me that people who are underage essentially are voting on liquor licenses.
2: Yes, it is, but also the insight is there. like me with the civilian patrol if one of these restaurants who has given problems in the past applied for a liquor license i would be able to maybe point that out that hey there's problems here maybe we shouldn't be giving them a liquor license
1: right i think it's a it's it's a you know a good thing that that um you know younger people are also involved um again i I would ask what made you want to get involved in the community board Uh, or even that and that they even existed, because a lot of people um just don't even know that community boards exist or what their function are. So what That's made you right. want to
0: and, and I'll even add to that because when I was in high school, we never learned about any of that stuff, and probably kids aren't even learning it in high school, but at least now because of the community service hours, it led him into the community where he was able to learn about some of these things firsthand, whereas otherwise maybe he wouldn't wouldn't have even seen any of that stuff. Right. So what made you want to get involved with the community board?
2: Um. So it's a funny story. Well, basically from all of this volunteering, it helped me advance myself to being connected with politicians and all of that, and community organizations. So I seen our borough president, Donovan Richards, posts on Facebook about applications are open. And I applied just for fun. I did it from the school cafeteria. I didn't even put my best resume up there. I just wanted to get involved just to have more of a say of what's going on in the community and to be able to offer my insight.
0: Yeah, and it's good to have someone who does represent the youth who can speak to that because some you see. Let's be honest, on a lot of these boards they are dominated by older people and there's a benefit to that as well, because they have more institutional knowledge they've got the wisdom that comes with the age, but you also want to balance that out with someone who can speak to the youth's experience in the community as well.
2: Yes, I definitely believe we need more youth on the board, especially when people are not showing up to the meetings at all, they should not be on the Community Board. Those positions should be given to people like me who actually want to make a change. You want to
0: be there, yes, and I can vouch for that, that Daniel is someone who does want to make a difference, and you are making a difference already, so you should be proud of that. Let's talk about the food pantry, because that's another thing that you do, you help with, that helps a lot of people in the area.
2: Yes, we've been going on for about two and a half years now. We're on Digby Place and Rockway Boulevard. In case you don't know, Digby Place is right next to 84th Street. We have fresh produce, dry goods, canned goods. We've been getting dairy and meat. Um, so the main allocation, it was called P-Fred. It was supplied to many pantries throughout New York City. It was s- supplied from Driscoll Foods. That allocation ended recently, leaving us having to pick up food from different pantries. We've gone to Staten Island, we've gone to um, Borough Park, and up in Queens, Astoria, to just get food for our community. Um, Other than that, the pantry is still going strong. As long as we have food, we will be there to support the community. We've got plenty of volunteers. We want to thank them because without them, it would not be possible. They're there every week putting in all of the work. Nobody in the operation is paid for that. So it's really amazing to see all these people who care and keep coming back to give back.
0: And how many people approximately still use those services? How many people show up to get the food?
2: I believe we're doing 700 weekly. I would have to look at the exact numbers, but we're still maintaining high numbers.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. I remember during the height of COVID, sometimes it was over a thousand a week, but for it to even now be that much, it really shows you the need that's out there and why we need programs like this. I said it back then, this wasn't just a COVID issue. It wasn't that people were hungry because of the pandemic. It's a long-term issue. People need the help, whether there's a pandemic or not. And obviously, the economy was rocked and we had a lot of problems coming from that, but this is something that's a need and it's going to continue to be a need so we're going to need to make sure programs like it are funded.
2: Yes definitely still there we're still maintaining high numbers um as you said we had thousands during COVID now we've got a better system that gives us more insight into who we're feeding. Before we were just counting the individuals on the line. Now we know how many people are in the household. So how many people the food is reaching? I have a breakdown, I don't have it with me, but it gives me everything, adults, children, seniors.
0: That's good. Easter on the line if, and say if they've been here before and like sign in and that kind of thing?
2: Yes, now it's all through the phone. It's a very easy process.
1: And I think it's very, it, you know, um... like you mentioned as far as it, it seems like some of these gave came uh were risen during covid the peak of covid to help people that were struggling but now the numbers are still still very high and that's kind of indicative of you know cost of living being being so high and you know maybe stagnant wages and just to think 700 people a week uh and you know maybe that's individuals maybe that's families but without those services then you got 700 people or families that would just not have that food for that week.
2: Yeah, You know, they
1: have less. So that's, it's, you know, it's pretty sobering and
0: incredible to think about. Right, and then you think about, okay, now they have to make a tough choice. Do they buy groceries for their family or do they pay their electric bill? Do they pay their rent? It leaves some more people being out on the street, being homeless and all kinds of problems that affects crime, right? None of these things happen in a vacuum. So the fact that you're able to do that and kind of fill that gap really has a lasting impact on people's lives in a way that maybe you can't even appreciate because you don't see it. But everything is like a domino effect, right? You can give them food. Now that's money that they have to take care of some other things that maybe keeps them more economically stable.
2: Yes, we've heard the stories firsthand on the line many of the people on the line right now are experiencing unemployment and they've explained how they haven't had to go to the grocery store and they're able to put money aside to pay the rent to pay the utilities whatever absolutely.
1: it may be absolutely but- i think it's it's just the cost of living is just to me it's 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 out of control There's some some way it needs to be found to be brought down so that people can be able to afford to live, especially if they're, they're working. If you got a full-time job, you should not be struggling to, to be able to survive. It doesn't make any kind of sense.
2: Yeah.
0: people still camp out or leave their stuff there, like the, like leave a cart to hold their place in line like before?
2: Um, No, we try to prevent that for the most part. We're fortunate to have enough food for every single person on the line. So I guess they've learned that. Now they come usually around 8 a.m. and we start around 11.
0: Okay, because that used to be a thing and it was really heartbreaking in a sense where you would find people who would try to hold a spot online. So even like at 11 o'clock or sometimes even earlier the night before, they yeah. would show up and, and leave their food cart, like their little shopping cart, um, on the street, on the sidewalk just to hold their spot in line for the next day. I mean, it just shows you how serious people took this and you mm-hmm. know, willing to, to go all out to make sure they got food at the pantry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: that's just... Sounds like a, that's also really good work. So you're in, in a lot of these different um, community volunteer types of positions. So what is what is that looking like in the future? Are we looking at uh, future city councilman or something? Is, is that what you're looking to go for?
2: Possibly. I want to start off running a nonprofit or something that's going to be beneficial towards the community before I jump into politics. But politics is something I definitely want to explore
1: that and of course your stand-up comedy career we can't
2: yes. forget that yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> absolutely i want to shout out some of the people in the chat we got michael karen from the pantry actually uh mark jeremy beccaria and connie and others thank you all for tuning in absolutely
1: so yeah it sounds like a lot of good work and and a lot of your peers are probably you know there's less people at your age that are involved in these types of things so what do people around you your your friends and your peer groups think about the things that that you're into and in the volunteer and community stuff service you're doing
2: well my friends think it's pretty boring <laughs> <laughs> you know they always want to be hanging out and whatnot but I've brought friends to the pantry and I've made friends at the pantry because there are people like me who want to give back. And even the people just we've had volunteers come that just wanted to get their service hours and leave. And now they have well over 100 hours and they're still there volunteering because of the fact of how it makes you feel, how giving back, how you're having an impact on people.
0: Right, and this is what makes someone a leader as opposed to being a follower. I mean, Daniel is doing something that he is passionate about, that he cares about, and he makes it cool because now there are other people who are going to follow him, and maybe he'll come to see what he's doing and say, "Oh, this is this is a cool thing." I maybe I might do some more volunteering. He's not trying to do what other people are doing. He's setting the example. He's setting the tone, and that's what a true leader does. Yeah,
1: and I think I think. Your your generation, um, I guess you'd be Gen Z at this point, gets a lot of flack from from people. But uh, I think even though your generation's hip hop is trash, I mean that's we know that even though that's the fact. Um, I think in the, in Gen Z there are a lot of uh, people with with empathy and and community minded ideals that are interested in doing things like volunteering or just, you know, caring about other people's feel feelings and, and things of this nature. So I think it's, it's you know, even though the, the, the generation gets a bad rap in some cases, I think there's a very, those are some pretty good points.
2: Yes, and we definitely need to see more youth out there getting involved because it's going to have an impact on our community later on.
0: Absolutely. And I think there's something to be said for that empathy argument, people just wanting fair treatment because, the criticism i often see is that young people have no work ethic they're lazy they don't want to work i don't really think that's necessarily true i think it's that they want to be treated with dignity so if you're going to yeah. hire someone young give them enough money to support themselves don't treat them like they're not worth it like you know what i mean as it's, it's, it's people just want they, they have that empathy for themselves and for others and they, they just want fairness they just want people to be treated properly yeah, yeah.
1: And i think that's i think too i think you know they it's, it's not necessarily that they don't want to work. It's that they don't want to put up with what maybe the rest of society has kind of just taken as the way it is. You know, you know, we may complain, some of the older people may complain, oh, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. But, you know, ultimately, like, oh, I have to do with it. But that that optimism of youth, maybe it is, or their extra empathy, they're like, you know what, we shouldn't have to put up with this. We shouldn't have to work all this time to, to receive hardly any kind of wages for it. This doesn't make any sense. We should have more of a a work life balance, and you know, right. this thing should be changed. We should have care about others and, and this and that. So, you know, I think I think it's a good point of this. Um, I've this seen information.
0: that quoted also something like the youth is too naive to know what's possible and what's not possible but every generation that causes them to achieve the impossible, essentially. Because right. someone who thinks, oh, we can't do this. This is just the way it is. It's never going to change. Right. They, you know, you can say that they've got wisdom, maybe, but on the other side, someone who doesn't have that quote-unquote wisdom dares to be different and dares to change it. Right. They don't know that they can't do it. And they often find out that they can do it.
1: Right, right. Yeah, it just has to be, yeah, someone has to, to, to stand up and do it. And I think we've got a good generation that that you know um sees that point in many regards um and i agree with jeremy 90s hip hop number 1 okay i
0: yes that. absolutely yeah also early but, 2000s and 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 there's some newer stuff that's yeah. but let's let's not say everything is trash but <laughs> yeah but you know let's 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 be
1: honest let's let's apply some of that that empathy and, and all that into the hip hop so you, you know that modern hip hop can come up so um <laughs> But um, yeah no that's 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 really good work that that, um, you're out there doing And
0: um, And so for those uh, who don't know tell us again where and when people can access the. food.
2: So we're every Saturday beginning at 11am on Rockway Boulevard and digby place we also it's also on the website, because we have the mobile pantry so it's copcporg slash pantry.
0: There you go
1: that's what's up. So. We're going to get into a couple of topics here. Um, What you got for us, Mike?
0: Yeah, so while we're talking about the youth and earlier, we discussed different attitudes generationally when it comes to marijuana could be a good topic. Um, Chuck Schumer recently introduced a bill that would legalize marijuana at the federal level, take it off the schedule of drugs. Right now, obviously, New York, as well as 19 other states and D.C. have legalized it at the state level but it's still illegal federally, which causes complications. Of course, it could result in even prosecutions federally, but perhaps more significantly at this point, banks, which are federally insured and regulated, don't want to do business with marijuana businesses. And so even if it's legal in a state, they've got to be cash businesses essentially, and that's losing uh, the state a lot of revenue because most, you know, in all likelihood, let's be honest, that's not all getting reported that way to the IRS, et cetera. So, this would make it legal at the federal level and would nullify some of these issues. Obviously, there are some people who are still against marijuana being legalized at all, who might push back against this, but others think it's a good idea. If the states are doing it, the federal government should follow suit, not to mention the war on drugs, which was a terrible uh, initiative, if you want to call it that program, that destroyed so many lives unnecessarily, can seek to undo some of that damage as well at the federal level. So. Something to discuss whether we agree with it, whether we disagree with it, and in particular, how does the youth feel about it as compared to the older generations? All
1: right. Absolutely. Because in in you know, a lot of the pushback is, you know, the older generations, especially who grew up uh their whole lives with this demonization of of marijuana and this idea of how bad it was of a of you know a drug and um what what all it could lead to with problems and this and that. And so you know it's hard to change that. And so you know this is something that's that's pretty much worldwide as far as being illegal. Uh, and I think some of that has to do with the United States leading the charge. I know here in Japan marijuana is illegal, um, but that came about at the end of the last war because we helped write their constitution. And so you know even though it does grow wild in certain places here, but you know um, it's been enshrined in their laws as well.
0: Meaning the so, US helped write Japan's
1: constitution. Yeah, after the war, uh, after World War Two. Yeah. So, you know, so of course, when we're writing it, when we're helping to write it, it's the things that are illegal here, we're going to uh, in the States, we're going to come into, you know,
0: into Japan. Daniel, what would you say is your generation's attitude towards marijuana in general?
2: Pretty much, I think they're cool with it. I don't think there's an issue with it. I think it's like alcohol. Of course, you're gonna have people who abuse it, but it's not everybody.
0: Uh, Right, there's a whole big topic about marijuana potentially being a gateway drug. That was the propaganda, I guess, Back when I was younger, even, it was like, it's going to lead to you doing coke and heroin and those other things. And I think that's pretty much been debunked as a matter of science. I'm not saying it never happens. I mean, anything could happen. But as far as like the trends go, as far as the data, I don't think that that's really a reliable thing, right? I don't think it it tends to lead to all those other things. Like you said, people could do anything irresponsibly, but there are a lot of people who, who use it responsibly as well. It just depends on how you do it. Right.
1: Uh, James in chat brought up, he said the older generation smoked weed too, why are they against legalizing it? And that's, that's very true. There are a lot of hypocritical people who um, were smoking it um, in their private life, but we're trying to regulate it uh, in the public life. Uh, But you know, I, I I think at the very, very least, uh, medical use should be no question legalized everywhere and i don't know if that's not the case yet in the states but just at least medically how can you how can you fight against it medicinally i don't don't get that um but i think in new york now recreationally is 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 legal right new york state right
2: so i think many people in my generation are already doing it and you want it to be legal because you don't want them going through sketchy ways to do it you want them to have access to it in a clean way where you know, you're not going beating some guy going to get killed or something.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah. And, and I'm not a, you know, I'm not a weed smoker, but I have no problem with, with it being legal. Um, I think, like I said, there are a lot of people that are, that are doing it. It's already a sketchy thing. And there is, we've already seen that it can be a good tax revenue. We already do alcohol, which is more damaging than, than marijuana smoking is. Um, so, you know, it doesn't make sense to keep fighting against it. Um,
0: it's interesting, though, is people used to always talk about the Netherlands and how it was legal there, and right. a lot of people didn't really do it there, and it was this idea that people only did it because it was against the law, and so if you right. legalize it, people would stop doing it. I'm not sure if that's really the case. It seems like people want to do it whether it's legal or not. Um, right. Separate argument, but I will say that when New York legalized it i did start smelling it a lot more in the neighborhood which is kind of weird because i you wouldn't think that the change of the law would make people start doing it like now it's legal so now we're gonna start smoking in our backyard i, I don't i don't understand that aspect of it you think they would be doing it already if they were doing it
1: no but now if they were doing it before when it was illegal, they were doing it trying to keep it a secret. Right
0: now, it's legal,
1: like, yeah, let's just open the windows, open the doors, and sit out back. Let's just puff one on the, on the I guess that's you what know, it is. Maybe
0: they were doing it, but trying to hide it more, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So, yeah, I, it makes sense that you would smell more. Um, these it
0: was, days. Funny because it was like right away, as soon as it went into effect, I'll start walking around Howard Beach, and all of a sudden, I would smell it everywhere I went in the neighborhood.
2: The smell, I think, is a big problem that people have constantly been bringing up since it's been legalized um i've right. heard the calls over 911 people calling it sitting people sitting and smoking on my stoop. i think that people just need to be responsible with it and be respectful with it if you right. know your neighbor doesn't like the smell of it don't go sit by the window and smoke it
1: i think i think that's a, a good point as far as as doing it like just because it's legal um doesn't mean that you should just just start puffing it everywhere because there's still that chance of contact highs. People can still get residual residual effects from you smoking, just like cigarettes and the secondhand smoke. You still should be aware that your smoke is going to other people who may not smoke, who may have an issue with it. You know, that should still be something that you keep in mind. That's a one difference between alcohol is that if I sit sit outside on a stoop and you drink a beer, you know, no one else, you know, gets any kind of effect from that beer. But with cigarettes or with any kind of smoke. Then you know there's an issue there,
0: right? And there's also the issue of driving, and I think they've made strides to uh, improve right. the problem. But obviously, you had a breathalyzer test where you could tell if someone was under the influence of alcohol immediately. With marijuana, it took a longer time for the results to come back. But I think they have made strides to get quicker results, right? I think you just got to show
1: them some snacks and see how they <laughs> respond. You know, if they jump at it, you are like, "Yeah, you've been smoking." But I think. And uh, in the chat, James, like the guy next to me smokes all the time. And next door to me smokes all the time. See, I think that is something that needs to be to be, to be be paid attention to. Like you don't wanna be in your apartment and the next door smoking all the time. Now your whole apartment is full of weed smoke all day. Like that needs to be paid attention to that whole smoking type but that also, thing. Yeah, I, I
0: agree, agree with that, but that also goes back to this idea of it's if it's your home should you be discriminated against people like if you know if I have a house I can do what I want in my house, but if I have an apartment, I can't do lawful activities in my apartment that the other person can. I mean then you start getting into classism and things like that. I mean they did that when he came to smoking even cigarettes in New York City projects where they tried to regulate that and a lot of people thought that that was wrong. I mean if smoking is legal, smoking cigarettes is legal, how are you going to tell people they can't do it in the privacy of their own home? Where can they do it if they can't do it at home? So that becomes a problem right. telling people that just because you live in an apartment or you have a neighbor close by, you can't do something that someone else can if they have a acre of land somewhere.
1: I get that, but at the same time, I think what also needs to be factored in is the fact that it's smoke and it can carry into the neighbor's apartment. Um, you know, years ago, I don't know what the numbers are now. There was twenty thousand people a year that were dying because of secondhand smoke, and so to me, that argument doesn't hold weight. But like, I'm in my apartment. I'm smoking. Well, your neighbor could be choking on your exhaust and getting lung cancer from it. So I don't think your right to smoke in your apartment overrides their right to be able to live. People will say that
0: your neighbor something. could move then also. If, if you don't want to be with some, next to someone who smokes, then, then move. What if you were there first?
2: <laughs> it's all about the neighbor etiquette and communicating.
0: Right right and, and that's a good point too right I think there's a difference between what the law should be and what the etiquette should be i mean you don't want to be just a nasty person a rude person if it upsets right. them, why do you have to do it right or do it in a way that doesn't upset them put a towel down try to find a way right
1: right right um i think and and to me i think it gets pushed to the law when there is no neighbor etiquette and when there are consequences of that secondhand smoke if your baby next door is now suddenly high because the neighbor has been puffing all night, um, if you know you got emphysema because of the secondhand smoke of your neighbor, now it's not an etiquette issue anymore. Now we're talking something even more serious, and that's what kind of forces things like the law having to come into play.
0: And there's also a difference between secondhand smoke of marijuana versus cigarettes, which can be much more toxic, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't think that. At least from my knowledge, I don't think there's been any cases where um, secondhand smoke is secondhand marijuana smoke has killed people. Um it's still smoke, so it can be some long complications. Um, but as far as killing people, I don't think that's that's been a thing. But maybe we'll see now that it's becoming widespread. Now we'll get more data on what's happening. Who knows?
0: Right. And obviously, as we mentioned, the revenue factor is being yeah. I mean, the state loses so much money by it not being legal and just because the state legalizes it it's still illegal federally which is always a funny thing right because technically that means that it's not legal because federal law does trump state law now right it means that the state authorities won't go after you for it it's usually who's prosecuting people it's you know local authorities you don't usually have the feds coming in but they could if it was a big right. they they still could do that so that's something to keep in mind that this would make the law more consistent, at least it would. It would allow states to legalize it because right now, in theory, they really can't. Even if they say that they've done it, it's still illegal, right?
1: Right, because at any moment the feds could come in and decide, "Hey, we want to pick you up," and we're well within the the, the
0: law to do so. Right. So, so I guess that could yeah. be our poll question for the week, what people think yeah. on this. So, the weekly poll question for our stories and our social media and YouTube, et cetera, is. Do you think it's time for marijuana to be legalized at the federal level?
1: Yeah, I think it's a good question there. Um, I'm I'm anticipating some emphatic responses
0: (laughs) from that one. It's a topic that people are passionate about. And some people have said that even if the Democrats want to do better in federal elections, they should make this their main issue. There are people who think that. There are people that Care about it so much that that will lead to an increase in turnout and people paying more attention and getting involved I, I guess there are people who are very passionate about this one
1: yeah I think there are I don't know if I don't know if I would buy that it would be the the, the thing that would tip the fulcrum for for Democrats but there are definitely people who are seriously interested in, in seeing this become a, a, a legal thing federally
0: and let's be honest there are also people on the political right who just want government to lay off everything right so they might be for it as well they're like let's stand up people's business yeah that's absolutely true as well jeremy in the chat says shout out from hb cop thank you jeremy thank you hb cop andrea says he's with king of kings part of cms crime management system so that's the uh, crime prevention that he does that's what's up that's what's up. Jeremy says we should be treated like alcohol it was a very common sentiment you hear from a lot of people
1: yeah, and neither of which are in in Daniel's age range at the moment. So it doesn't really <laughs> – stay away from alcohol, too. It's not a
0: good thing. <laughs> well, we can – I guess since we just dropped the poll, we can talk about our poll results from last week. We right. asked about uh, shark attacks in – Rockaway beach and they're on the rise or at least shark sightings are on the rise and there's increased concern now they're talking about doing more patrols and boats and helicopters and drones to watch the shark activity. And so the question we put out is, are you personally more concerned about the presence of sharks when it comes to getting in the water? Does it affect your own personal habits or what you do or is it life as usual for you? And the response I got was 83% of respondents on Instagram said that does not affect their habits. Life continues as usual. 13% said they're more concerned now.
1: Yeah, I didn't really get any responses. I think people just kind of, you know, it's a very local issue so i didn't get a lot of responses on that in regards to it um
0: right and for those who don't know i put the polls up on my instagram facebook gives me a hard time with it i do have my other stories we put clips on here on facebook as well but when it comes to the polls for some reason instagram only allows me to do it so that's where you'll find my polls but jay also will put the polls up and you've been putting them up on youtube shorts and so right. to a lot of people, but not necessarily local people. So the people who are seeing mine are more my audience, which is more local Queens folks, but yours is more right. global audience. And so they may not relate to a Rockaway beach question. Right.
1: Um, so what, what about what about you, Daniel? Does is, uh, is that a deterrent uh, that there were some shark sightings? Would that change the way that you uh, approach going to the beach?
2: Well, the shark lives in the ocean. So it's, <laughs> I would change my habit to not be near the shark. Yeah, I guess if they're saying there's shark sightings, I would stay away from the beach.
0: You see, that's like smoking in your apartment versus the other guy. Like, it's the same type of concept. <laughs>
1: yeah, and and like I agree with you. I'm 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 not trying to get out in the water if there's there's sharks out there. Um, and if I do, I'm probably staying. I, I would want to see how far the, the the sighting was. Was it on the shore? Was it further
0: out? You know, how how cool. shallow it, it, No, because you had a surfer there who was at Beach 67th Street, not far out, you know, right, right there about the beach who, who felt the yeah. shark bump into his surfboard.
1: Yeah, no, I'm good. I, I'll, I'll chill on the beach. I'm all right. You know, think I'll pass on that.
0: Okay. And I got a comment that we should be more concerned about orcas than sharks. Although it was interesting. They made the point, let's see if I can pull this up here. They made the point that people are mostly afraid of sharks from the movie Jaws, which I think is true, right? Here was the comment: It's orcas we really should be concerned about. Sharks aren't out to attack humans at all. I think they may make they may mistake us for seals or some other kind of sea life. But orcas are what will probably attack humans. Orcas kill right. great white sharks and eat their livers. People just think sharks are out to attack humans because of jaws. Yeah, I definitely do think that increases the scare factor. There.
1: Listen, I'm I'm good on either one of them. You know, mm-hmm. if there are orcas and sharks around they can go hang out and do their thing. I'll chill on the beach. I, I'm, I'm good right now. I might go, I might go like ankle deep and get a little, you know, splash a little water on me to cool down, but I don't, I don't need to get in that water if that's the case. One
0: time I was in Miami with uh, I don't actually, Isaac, and we were jet skiing around Miami beach. And then we got off the jet skis. And I think we were talking about sharks for whatever reason, when we were on the jet skis, we were like, oh, there might be sharks out here. And he's, he all of a sudden was like, something bit me. He thought it was a shark, or I guess it's because I it was kind of fresh in his mind, so he swam as fast as he could to the shore, but I think it just turned out to be like a crab on the bottom of the water.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, hey, look, I, I understand the sentiment. You wouldn't out swim a shark, but I understand the sentiment of it, and I used to I used to spend a lot of time uh, in the water, uh, on the beach, because I you know grew up in Hawaii, and I used to go out and boogie board a lot. I'm talking, I'd be out in the water for you know, two, three hours at a time, and not on shore, tucking, you know, quite a ways out to catch the waves and stuff. And, you know, sometimes a thought would come into my head, you know, uh, something's out here, that's it, you know, it's pretty much over. But, you know, luckily had no encounters and good
0: yeah it's funny as much as i love the beach i don't really love going into the water so much i mean i'll do it from time to time but that's not my main thing like i i can just like be on the boardwalk and have a drink listen to music and enjoy the atmosphere there i don't need to actually be in the water or on the sand either
2: i'm not a huge fan of open bodies of water. I think one of my main concerns when going to the beach over sharks, over whales is jellyfish mm. and the dirt in the water. If I can't, mm. if the water is not clear, I really don't want to be swimming in it.
0: Now, is jellyfish a big problem in the beaches in, in New York? I mean, I don't know if you would call them a big problem, but we certainly have There's them. Here. Like in Hawaii,
1: the main, uh, I'm not sure if you're what you're calling jellyfish, but there'd be the smaller ones, which would be called Portuguese man-o-war and those were the more of the, the issue and they were they were small ones and they would have a really uh, nasty sting and there'd be certain times where they would all be floating in at, at the same time in groups and so it could be a problem
0: now um, we have to think the bigger ones here
1: yeah well they had the bigger ones too but the, the portuguese manor War were the ones that were more of an issue and even here there are times here in, in you know because i live on the coast in japan and they have those sightings as well those warnings okay you know these these types of jellyfish are out so you got to be careful
0: because if they just touch you it's a it's a nasty sting message in the chat i don't swim in natural bodies of water if a shark came into my living room i'd eat them too <laughs> <laughs> makes sense very makes sense. interesting i didn't know that they were around uh new york like that so yeah you know it's funny also i went jet skiing with rockaway jet ski and they had taught us when we were on the jet. We did a whole tour of New York, went around Manhattan and by the Statue of Liberty, you know, under the Brooklyn Bridge, under the Arizona Bridge. And we were everywhere, but they had said that sharks were more found in areas where the coastline turns. I guess because they have to turn around. So they're swimming fast in one direction. If the coast, if the shore is starting to turn, it slows them up. So they start turning, and you'll find more of them there because they're not just like speeding by. It. All of a sudden, it's like they're they're turning the whole bodies around. I don't know. Apparently, that's where you would find more of them. Also, I went swimming under the Barrazano Bridge. I got off the jet ski and swam under the bridge. And then I read that a lot of sharks congregate in that area too. So maybe that wasn't so smart, but I was doing what they said to do.
1: Yeah, I'll pass on that as well. You know,
0: I like to have my limbs. And I think you say, as long as you don't get out the jet ski, though, I think you're probably pretty safe in a jet ski. Probably, but you got out and swam. That's a, that's, that's the whole you, that, you don't need to do all that, you know, but <laughs> yeah. on the jet ski itself. So, Daniel, we like to leave our guests with the last word. We call it the bottom line. I guess this is going to be a thing now. We had Adam Clayton Powell on a few weeks ago, and he was in the middle of telling us what the bottom line was, and his phone cut out and left us hanging. <laughs> we come back on and kind of say what the bottom line was, but we decided this could be a, a segment. We did it last week, so we'll do it again With you, any closing thoughts here? What is the bottom line that you wanna leave our listeners?
2: We need more people involved in the community. We need more people giving back, especially our youth. You have kids, tell them to come out, come volunteer at the pantry. There's plenty of activities throughout the community. We definitely need, and we need to hear from you. We need to hear from residents. We need to know how you're feeling and what your issues are. We need more involvement from everybody within the community.
0: I agree with that more involvement. And like you said, when people start speaking up, that gives us a more accurate accounting of what's actually happening. So it's not based on just anecdotes. Now we have more reliable data that we can use. And that's very important. It's not just someone being sensationalist and telling the story like, you know, oh my God, something happened to me, therefore it's happening to all of us. Well, all right, it's a terrible thing that happened, but let's see the to which it's happening so that we can direct an appropriate response. Yes, absolutely.
1: So I think that was a good bottom line there. People, you know, people need to hear that. People need to, to act on that as well.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Daniel, for joining us. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. Don't forget, we're on YouTube. You can catch the replay. It's Nuance with Mike Scholar and Jay Carter. Please subscribe. We're also available in audio form where podcasts can be heard. That's Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else. Yes, absolutely. Go to YouTube right now and hit the subscribe button. Even
1: if you've watched it, uh, the replay will be up there. But uh do us a favor go hit that subscribe button um and um yeah, well, just i guess since we thought. talked about oops
2: <laughs> well, thank, thank you, you for well. having me
1: catch you all next time Bye bye